that. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. We are happy to be here with you today, and goodness gracious. We here in the state of Iowa, for those of you who do not know, do not know, I should say, because that's the correct pronunciation. I almost forgot what pronunciation was. We just had the biggest snowstorm in 116 years. Let me repeat that. 116 years. It's a long time for snow. Goodness gracious. And you know what? Your boy, Logan, was out there in the midst of it, plowing snow with my dad. It sucked. Good lord. If I could, if I wanted to use some explicit terms or whatever, I want whatever, I'd be using them right now, but I don't want to use super bad words. Let's just go with the simple ones. It was shitty. Let's just put it like that. Let's just say how it is. It sucked. And I was watching Colin Coward's show today, The Herd, on Fox Sports 1. I was watching that during lunch with my dad today, and they were showing a video of Buffalo and Kansas City. Like, where's all the snow? Well, I think all the snow just came to Iowa, because good lord, there's like 15 inches of it out in Waukee. Good God. We were out from 2 o'clock in the afternoon, about, maybe a little before, until 5.30 in the morning. That sucked. It is 6.41 right now. My dad is still asleep. (laughs) I slept from about 5.30 to 11.30. I was supposed to have a dentist appointment today, I guess, that I kind of forgot that I scheduled in the first place. I obviously did not go to said dentist appointment. Let's just say it like that. I did not (laughs) go... Because I was sleeping. And I was miserable the entire time. Once you reach that threshold of about 2 o'clock, you just want to shut down. And we've had four big snowstorms this year. Big ones. Like, four really big ones. And two of them have started at nighttime. So around, like, midnight to about 2 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock. That's usually where the other ones have started. In the early, early stages of the morning. The other two started mid-afternoon. One of them started at around 11, the first, the second snowstorm, and then the one last night started about 2, 2.30, if I remember correctly. So, if you're wondering why there was no snow in the Chiefs playoff games, or the Bills playoff games, or the Packers playoff games, it's because all the snow was in freaking Iowa. It all migrated here, and it just didn't stop. And I wouldn't, like, usually in these snowstorms, it starts at one time and then gradually gets less and less and less, and then it's done. This one snowed from 2.30 until, I don't know, it could have, it was snowing at 5.30. I don't know when it exactly stopped, but it was going hard. And every time we looked at the forecast, it was like a gut punch or a punch to the balls or something like that. It was miserable. Ugh. When you think you're done, and then the snow just keeps coming down. Ugh, miserable. I do not recommend, if you ever have an opportunity to get into the snow-pushing industry, I would recommend you stay away from it at all cost. It is not a fun profession to be in, and we're not even professionals at it, but we're doing it, and I would just recommend staying away. My dad and I, when we were, do- when we were pushing the snow right when it started, we were listening to Murph and Andy's show, and a guy called in, because they were talking about the blizzard that was going on outside, and a guy called in and was talking about how he used to be in the snow business. He's not anymore. 
And my dad goes, that's the best way to do it right there. That's the best snow business you can be in. Used to be in snow business. Not currently in snow business because it sucks. And I know a lot of you out there might go, oh, I like being in the snow. No, if, if you like snow, that means you have never been out for hours and hours and hours pushing it. Because that's where you develop a firm hatred for the white fluffy stuff known as snow. Thankfully, this wasn't really wet snow. The second snowstorm we had was super heavy wet snow. This was just nice fluffy, not really bad at all, couldn't really form a snowball if you tried, kind of snow. Not snow that we've had in the past where it's just basically water and it's super heavy. That's the part that sucks. But yeah, again... Biggest snowstorm in the state of Iowa in 116 years. We have had four. And I know we've had four because I've been out in all of them. Ah, <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. I would just recommend to stay out of the snow business. And I was on Colin Company yesterday uh, at 530. We were pushing snow at that time. So I had to call him while we were, or he called me, and I was in the truck with my dad driving around looking at job sites to make sure every one of the employees was getting the jobs done. It was a good show. I'd recommend going to listen to it. You can find it on 1650thefan.com under the podcast link or go follow 1650thefan on Twitter and go click the podcast link and listen for the last 25 minutes of the show. 20, 25 minutes. Because that's where ya boy is at. And I think it went good. We talked about the playoff games, the Bills, Chiefs, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the Green Bay Packers games. And we talked about trade destinations and which trades I would look forward to the best. Because if you've been listening to the show for a little bit or you follow me on different social media platforms, you know that I have posted a lot about possible trades upcoming this offseason for the NFL. And I've got another post coming for you tomorrow or today, I guess, Wednesday. Because I wrote the paper today, Tuesday, January 26th. It'll be coming out to Wednesday, January 27th, same time as the show. Paper will probably come out an hour before the show. I've got the paper all done. We'll go over that on this show in case you didn't read the paper. Because again, I'll post that on Twitter before this show. So you'll have a chance to read it. And then you'll, if you don't want to read it, wait for the show to come out and listen to the show. If you already read it, thank you for, I just hit the microphone. Thank you for reading it. Because it took me a little bit to write. 21,000 characters were used. That's not 21,000 words. Don't I'm not that crazy. But it's a decently long paper. So I would, I would beg you to read it. Because I think it's a very nice paper. Talking about all the different trades of the big quarterbacks. All the quarterbacks that are linked to trades this offseason. Okay? And before we get into all of that, we're going to talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tom Brady, uh, versus the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes. We'll talk about the trade paper that I've got written down. And we'll talk about the Senior Bowl a tiny bit because the Senior Bowl's first practice took place today, Tuesday. We'll talk. We'll recap that. We have a big opt-out in the Senior Bowl as well. So out of all the first-round quarterbacks possible for this draft, there's about six of them. One of them is partaking in the Senior Bowl. And we'll talk about that quarterback. Hopefully, if I remember to do it, later in the show because there is a slim chance that I forget completely to talk about it. But first off, I want to talk about this. I was going to talk about this on a Friday show, I believe, right before the NHL season started, okay, which is early January. 
And I had my preseason predictions already done. Last edit was 12 days ago. I'm using this on Google Docs. So I got my 2021 NHL predictions. Now, this is going to be probably the worst predictions I've ever done because I didn't really follow the NHL offseason that much other than what the Blackhawks were doing, which I was confused on some of the moves that the Chicago Blackhawks were doing, disappointed in some things. Some of the news came out, like Jonathan Taves being out, uh, Corey Crawford retiring. Uh, it's just a lot of sad stuff going around Chicago right now. But that being said, they have played the Red Wings. And if you know anything about the NHL, you don't even really need to know a lot. If you played the Red Wings, there is about a 90% chance you won. And the Blackhawks right now <laughs> sit third in the Central Division, right behind Tampa Bay and Columbus, who just traded for Patrick Laine, who traded away uh, Dubois to the Winnipeg Jets. So, yeah, you're not in the Central Division anymore, so you felt it was comfortable to trade him to a Central Division team. Thank you, Winnipeg. But I think the divisions, once they're back to normal, I would assume next year, once Seattle comes in the frame, Seattle Kraken, then that'll start to probably hurt a little bit. Seeing Patrick, Patty Line playing for the Columbus Blue Jackets. I don't know if he's played yet. The trade happened a couple days ago. So I will check to see if he has played. Where is he at? There he is, Patrick Line. I'm trying to find him on their roster. Oh, he's on the IR. Nice. Wait, what is this? Something's not... Something's going off here. That doesn't look right. What? I guess I didn't know this or something. He has an upper body injury and he's on IR. But in the NHL, IR is not done and dusted. You can come back from an IR. It's like the DL in the MLB, like 15-day DL. There's short-term IR and long-term IR. So if you see IR, if you're in the NFL or a fan of the NFL and you see the word injured reserve or the letters I and R, you get a little nervous. You're like, oh, well, they're done. But in the NHL and the MLB, you get put on IR. It's either short-term or long-term IR. I don't know how long of an injury it is for Patty Line. Says upper body injury, but we will have to wait and see on that. I didn't know if he played yet or not. It's obviously he has not yet. But just a rundown of the division so far. So we have the Central Division. Tampa Bay is leading it, unsurprisingly. They've won three, lost one. Again, not surprising here. Columbus is in second, tied with, or with Chicago. Chicago third. I don't know why I said with Chicago. Chicago's third on five points. Dallas is in fourth, followed by Florida Panthers, Carolina Hurricanes, Nashville, and then the aforementioned basement dwellers of, it used to be, what, what was it, the Atlantic Division? They weren't in the Atlantic Division. Were they? They're Metropolitan Division. Dead last, usually. <laughs> That's where they usually, it was them in Ottawa. They battled for that last place spot in the division. Now Ottawa is gone. It is sole possession of the Detroit Red Wings, but not right now. There's a lot of teams on four points in the Central Division. But as things start to shake out, you would one would assume that Detroit finishes last in the division. That might be a little teaser of what's coming up in the <laughs> the preview. Uh, in the Eastern Conference or the Eastern Division, the Washington Capitals sit on top with nine points. Then you got Pittsburgh, New Jersey, Boston, Philly. New York Islanders, Buffalo Sabres, and the New York Rangers. In the North Division, the Canadian Division, you got the Montreal Canadiens and Toronto on 10 points. Then Winnipeg, Edmonton, Vancouver, Calgary, and then 
Ottawa, who have been basement dwellers in the NHL for the past, feels like, five years. They were good for a tiny bit when they had uh, Carlson, but then everything kind of started to fall apart, and now they are just consistently at the bottom of whatever division they are in. It, you can't take, you can take them out of the division, but that last place spot, no matter where they are, is reserved for them. And now Detroit. And then in the West, you got the Vegas Golden Knights, the Minnesota Wilds, St. Louis Blues, Colorado Avalanche, the LA Kings, Anaheim Ducks, San Jose Sharks, and the Arizona Coyotes. So with that being said, let's look at the preview compared to what is going on in the NHL right now. So the Central Division, Tampa Bay on top. That's It doesn't take a brain surgeon or an expert to say Tampa Bay is going to finish top of this division. They have the top goalie in the NHL and Andre Vasilevsky. They have a lot of star players on this team as well. Kucherov being a main guy there. There's some very good players on this. We even mentioned Steven Stamkos, Victor Hedman. Like, there's some very good players on this team. They are fresh off winning the Stanley Cup. All three Tampa Bay sports teams have made the championship. We did not talk about that on Monday. We're talking about that now. Tampa Bay Rays, Lightning, and now the Buccaneers all made the championship game. Tampa Bay Lightning won. The Rays obviously lost to the L.A. Dodgers. Now we have to see if the Tampa Bay Bucks can win the Super Bowl. In second place, my predicted was the Dallas Stars. They went to the Stanley Cup last year. So the two teams that made it to the Stanley Cup Finals last year are I had the top two in the division for me. The Stars haven't played a lot this year. They played two games. Granted, they won both of them, but a lot of their games have been postponed. So we'll have to see how good they are once the season gets going. Again, it doesn't take a real brainiac to figure out that they're a talented team. They just came off a Stanley Cup berth. They're a talented, talented, talented team. Uh, third, I put the Carolina Hurricanes. Bunch of jerks, those Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah, I was kind of struggling here. I think that's a fair spot. I was flipping back and forth between third place and fourth place. I did end up going with the Carolina Hurricanes in this one. And then in third, uh, fourth place, the team I put was the Nashville Predators. They're usually around the top teams in the NHL, at least in the somewhere near the top, closer to the middle than the very top. This isn't a few years ago where they were one of the best teams in the NHL. Now they're kind of a upper middle tier type team, I would probably say. But like Carolina, Sebastian Ajo, one of the better young players in the NHL. Dougie Hamilton is one of the favorites to walk away. Wow, I'm blanking on trophies right now. Wow, 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 wow. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. James Norris trophy. Good Lord. I was blanking. He's been one of the betting favorites, I believe, to win the James Norris trophy this year. Uh, Peter Morazic is there in goal. So I went with them, but I could see either one. Other than the top two teams in Nashville, um, in Dallas, in Tampa Bay, the rest of the division, other than Detroit, and then we'll mention Chicago in a little bit, it's kind of up in the air, and I could see every team flipping those spots. Three through, what, six? I could see any team falling in that range, whether it be Carolina, Nashville, then Columbus. I have finishing fifth. Obviously, they just traded for Patty Line. See how that works out with Columbus. And then the Florida Panthers, I had finishing sixth. Joel Quenville, Chicago Blackhawks legend. Legendary coach for the Blackhawks, won three Stanley Cups. Jeremy Colton, the Blackhawks coach, got an extension earlier this season, or it might have been right before the season started. 
I'm alright with it now. There's not a lot to work with right now in the Blackhawks. There's a mid there's a there are a really weird situation of they got old players and young players with the middle players not being that awesome. The goalie situation is a mess right now for Chicago, which again, I talked about this before. It, it would be nice if they had a goalie like, you know, the level of like Robin Lanier or something. Or Lerner. I've never been able to pronounce his name. Even when he's in Buffalo, I always struggled pronouncing his name. Why didn't they, they could have someone like that? Wouldn't that be nice? I still don't understand. That's one of the trades. Eric Gustafson trade didn't make sense a lot to me at the time. Doesn't really make sense to me now. But the Robin trade, that one hurts the most because the worst position on the Chicago Blackhawks and the one that's up in the air is the goalie spot. So much so, Jeremy Colton literally said, there's no rotation. Whoever's got the hot hand is the starting goalie. There's zero rotation here. <laughs> Usually when you have a battle of goalies and you don't know who the starter is, you usually rotate them fairly frequently. But the Blackhawks goalie situation is so bad that they don't know. If one guy starts getting hot, they're like, okay, you just go. Which could be a smart thing to do because you got to, you know, roll with the hot hand. That's kind of the situation you'd like to go in. But, yeah, the Blackhawks are <laughs> they're finishing seventh in this division. I almost put them eighth, but I can't in good conscience put them above the Red Wings or below the Red Wings. And after watching them Friday and Sunday, I'm happy I didn't end up doing that because, good Lord, the Red Wings suck ass. You got blown out by the Blackhawks. That's a, you, deserved, you deserved to sit in last. That being said, the Blackhawks got some decently talented players like Dylan Strom at center, Alex DeBrincat, Dominic Kubalik. He's a very, and obviously we don't even need to talk about Patty Kane, but Patty Kane is still there at 32. Still one of the best players in the NHL. I don't care. I love Patrick Kane. Greatest American hockey player of all time. Andrew Shaw still kicking it. Scored a goal against the Red Wings the other day. It was pretty awesome. Yeah, there's just... Duncan Keith. Love Duncan Keith. One of the greatest players in NHL history. 37 years old. Brent Seabrook out, but 35 years old. So three very important players. The Blackhawks' success in the mid-2010s in Taves, Seabrook, and Crawford. Crawford retired, Seabrook and Taves out. It hurts, because it's done. The dynasty's over. It was a fun run. I mean, I have never had so much fun. Like, I loved when people hated the Blackhawks. Now they kind of loathe the Blackhawks. Like, I saw a post on Twitter, or it might have been Instagram. It was a picture of the Red Wings versus Blackhawks game on Sunday, because it was on NHL and NBC. And someone said, oh, yes, Sunday hockey. And then Red Wings, Blackhawks. That was must-watch hockey when the Blackhawks were winning the Stanley Cups. Blackhawks and Red Wings is one of the most legendary rivalries in the NHL. And once they took the Red Wings into the Eastern Conference, that's where everything kind of started going down for both teams. We needed to beat the crap out of the Red Wings. Now, in this new division reshuffle, I'm happy to have the Red Wings back because it gives the Blackhawks at least a few wins a season. (laughs) But I'm upset because you lose rivalries with the St. Louis Blues, and the Minnesota Wild. But now, that being said, with how bad I expect the Blackhawks to be, I'm pretty happy that they're out of the division. But once the division realignment comes back and Seattle comes in the fray, hopefully there can be a division with Chicago, Minnesota, Detroit, and St. Louis because those four are very big rivals. Even though Minnesota Wild have only been around for 20 years, are still very big rivals with those three teams who are some of the oldest franchises, the oldest franchises, 
and the NHL. Red Wings and Hawks being original six teams. The Blues coming in a little bit later. Like, gotta get these rivalries back. And right now for the Blackhawks, Kevin Lankinen is right now the guy with the quote-unquote hot hand. So we'll see him a lot more recently. Malcolm Subban led in five goals the first game of the season. I said the Blackhawks would lose 3 nothing to Tampa Bay. They lost 5-1. <laughs> it was 3 nothing after the first period. Oh, man. And Malcolm's MB, NHL and NBC posted a video on Twitter. It was like, save of the year candidate. And I sent it to one of, my, one of my friends, Johnny, who's also a Blackhawks fan. I was like, man, he let in five, but at least he has this to his name. Oh, was so stupid. Colin Delia will also be rotating in there at goalie whenever uh, Lankinen decides not to have a hot hand anymore. But, yeah, it's going to be a down year for Chicago. I'm not too surprised. I had to put them in seventh. Now, <laughs> it is nice seeing them in third. But they have played four more games than Dallas and Florida and three more games than Carolina. They're one of the, the few teams in the NHL, at least in the Central Division anyways, there are three teams in the Central Division that have played six games. And that's the Hawks, Columbus, and the Red Wings. So, yeah, I'm the, the Blackhawks and Red Wings will be at the bottom. I'm not too worried about that. The Blackhawks' only two home games they played this year are both wins. But again, they're against Detroit, so those don't really count. We'll take it, though. We'll take it, though. They've allowed the most goals in the Central Division, so that's very good as well. 23 goals. Very nice. But they've scored 19, which is the most. So, I mean, you lose some, you win some, you know. Uh, in, the Eastern Con- in the Eastern Division, I have the Boston Bruins on the top of the division. Uh, they were on top of the division last year. I think they finished with the President's Trophy, if I remember correctly. I'm going to have to check my last year's records. 101, 100 points. Yes, they were the best team in the NHL last year, record-wise. They obviously didn't win the Cup or anything, but Zanu Chara, Bruins legend, their captain, is now playing for the Washington Capitals, which is very weird to see. They're trying to get, like, the oldest team in the NHL, the Washington Capitals, with Ovechkin and Zdeno Chara, but obviously the Washington Capitals will be a beast this season, as they always are. They're always, like, they're always one of the top teams in the NHL, and the Capitals have won three, Lost three in overtime or shootout. So, they're getting points out of it. So, good for them. I I, de- I I have a decent liking towards the Capitals because of, obviously, Alex Ovechkin. I think everybody loves Ovechkin. Uh, TJ Oshie, though, he used to play for the Blues. Every American hockey fan loves him for what he did against Rush in the Olympics a few years back in the, penalty, in the shootout, almost a penalty shootout. But, yeah, they're, they're going to be a force all the time. <laughs> all freaking year long the Washington Capitals are and my predictions because everybody was riding high on the Philadelphia Flyers going into the season I jumped on that on the bandwagon as well and put them second in the division above the team I was just praising the Washington Capitals who currently sit on nine points the Flyers sit on seven points which is only two points back of the Capitals and they played what the same number of games as the Caps they've won the same amount of games this year as well but the difference is Whereas the Caps are getting points and overtime losses, the Flyers have lost two games in regulation. So that's where that really hurts them this year. Allowed 22 goals this year for the for the Philadelphia Flyers. They're three and one at home. Pittsburgh's four and zero at home. So yeah. Uh, next one, I think I'm gonna switch it <laughs> just because of how this hasn't really worked out to start. Uh, I bought in on the New York Rangers this year. Obviously, with Artemi Panarin, the bread man, one of my favorite players in the NHL. One of the worst trades the Blackhawks have made recently. 
was the trade that sent Brandon came, brought Brandon Saad back and sent Artemi Panarin the opposite direction to Columbus. I mean, Brandon Saad, I love Brandon Saad. I'm not going to bash Brandon Saad. When the, when the Blackhawks were first winning their Stanley Cups, he was a very important part of that first line that helped Jonathan Taves a lot. And when he went to Columbus, the reason they brought him back is because Taves was struggling and they were like, Saad will help him. But when Saad came back, it was a completely different Brandon Saad than what we were used to. I love Brandon. I'm not sitting here saying anything bad about Brandon Saad other than the fact the Blackhawks traded a way better player in Artemi Panarin to Columbus and got a lesser version of Brandon Saad than what we were used to seeing. But Artemi Panarin is a freaking animal. That's the best way I can put it. Animal. I love Artemi Panarin. But I'll, I'll flip it. I'll flip this right now. And I'm looking at... I know it. this helps me because I haven't done a show yet. This is the only one I'll flip. I promise. I'm going to say Pittsburgh in fourth and New York in fifth. Okay? I'll change that. Because I'm <laughs> looking at right now... I mean, they're only three... Four points separates them right now. Pittsburgh... Oh, no. No, no, no. I was wrong. Five points. Now it's early doors in the season. But the Rangers seem to be struggling with goals. They scored 13 goals this season. Whereas the Pittsburgh Penguins have scored 21. Now they're allowing a decent amount of goals with 23, which is the most in the Eastern Division. But I, I, uh, I don't know. We'll keep that in limbo. I'm not going to officially change it. I'm not going to officially change it. I mean, the Re Pittsburgh Penguins obviously have Sidney Crosby. You compare best players, you'd probably go with Sidney Crosby over Artemi Panarin, even though I love myself some bread man. But I'll keep that in limbo right now. Pittsburgh and New York will battle for that fourth spot. The sixth spot, I have the New York Islanders. They're currently in sixth right now. Yeah, they've scored nine goals, but have allowed eight. So, positives. <laughs> I mean, you don't score a lot of goals, but hey, you've only allowed eight. Carolina is the only team that has allowed nine as well, and you guys have played two more games than them. So, that's decently, or scored the same amount of goals. Wow. Nine goals ain't a lot, but I have them in six. Buffalo in seventh, and then New Jersey, who's sitting in third right now, I had finished in last. Do I feel confident in that as we stand here right now? Probably not. Jack Hughes is playing a lot better than what people what he did last year when people started leaving. Maybe he's a bust, being the number one overall pick. He's starting to kick it into gear a little bit this year. Uh, yeah, that's one I'm not. I might flip the Sabers and I like the the Sabers are my dad's team. I really love Jack Eichel. I like Taylor Hall, former New Jersey Devil, won an MVP with the Devils. I like a lot of the players. The, Black, the Buffalo Sabres have. but And I love the uniforms. They brought back the Royal Blue uniforms, the French Connection uniforms that they used to have. Brought those back. Love that. But, yeah, second to last or last in this division. This is, this is a strong division this year. The Eastern Division. You've got, consistently, three of the best teams in the NHL in the Capitals, Penguins, and Bruins. I know I said the Penguins would be in, battling for fourth and fifth, but... They're consistently, with Sidney Crosby, one of the best teams in the show. Uh, the North Division this year, I put Toronto Maple Leafs number one. They have 10 points right now. That is joint top in the league with Vegas and Montreal, who is in the Canadian Division. And, yeah, I don't think that's a very bold prediction. <laughs> I think everybody had the Toronto Maple Leafs winning this division. They have Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner. Like, they have so much, so much talent, young talent, is the key thing here for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Austin Matthews being the main one. John Tavares, one of the more 
experienced players in the NHL, great leader. They brought in Joe Thornton from San Jose, very good experience there, playoff experience in there. I mean, come on, it's not like it's that difficult or crazy to say that this team should win the Canadian division. I know they're joint top right now, but I think they'll win the Frederick Hen- Frederick Han- eh, geese. Frederick Anderson, still a net. I'm feeling confident with that pick, regardless of how good Montreal has been to start the season. And I didn't even put Montreal second. I put Edmonton and say, hey, if you have two legit MVP candidates in Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl, it's going to be very hard for me to put you below teams. Those two players are two of the top dudes in the show. In the show, obviously McDavid is the best player in the show right now. Younger, one of the younger players. One, of, I think he's the youngest captain in NHL history, right? Broke the record. I think um, Landeskog had that for Colorado. I think McDavid broke it. Uh, Drasidel won the MVP last year. Like, it, come on, it's not. I you have to put this team with even. You don't even need to look at the rest of the roster. I know the roster is not the best because it's Edmonton. They don't know how to structure rosters to save their freaking lives. They Taylor traded Taylor Hall on a one-on-one trade. For, oh crap, Adam Larson. Like, come on. They not they haven't made the smartest business decisions throughout the 21st century. And, hey, Connor, I know you signed a pretty decent deal with the Edmonton Oilers, but if you ever went out of that, we, the Chicago Blackhawks, will give you Malcolm Subban and Dylan Strome for McDavid. <laughs> Would you take that? No? Oh, whatever, we'll come back next year. But yeah, I had to put them there. Third, I put Montreal. So it's a testament to my knowledge that Montreal has a plus 11 goal difference right now. Goodness gracious. 29 goals. Most in the league. 18 goals allowed. Plus 11. Again, easily the best. Four wins on the season. Uh, People were buying in to this team. They made the playoffs by the skin of their teeth last year. And that was only because of the expanded thing. And if everybody played the same amount of games... I refuse to believe that Montreal would have made the playoffs because they played two more games in Buffalo and had, what was it, three less points? Three more points or something like that? Rasmus Dahlin, defenseman for the uh, Buffalo Sabres, was obviously very upset, very vocal about that. But, yeah, I put Montreal in third place in this division, two experienced goaltenders, and Jake Allen and Carey Price. Carey Price, one of the best goalies of the 21st century obviously been there for a while he's done a lot of winning there in Montreal but because he's been there so long and their recent struggles he's done a lot of losing there as well so that's what I've got for the top three then Calgary I stuck them in fourth they've they've got two points they've won two games they have five points they play the least amount of games in the Canadian division I think they'll 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 turn around they got Johnny Hockey on their team for crying out loud Iowan he graduated from Davenport like Johnny Gaudreau is an Iowan. I don't care what people say about, oh, he's from New Jersey. No, he went to high school and graduated in the great state of Iowa. He played for uh, the, what was the team he played for? He played in the USHL. He played against Waterloo and Des Moines. What is the team he played for? There's one more Des Moines team or Iowa team. I, whatever. I stuck them in fourth. I think that's fair for, for Calgary. They were one of the better teams in the show last, or a few years ago. Won the freaking division. I think they got bounced in the first round. Because that was the first year that, I think, what was it? Every number one seed lost or something like that? I'm trying to remember. I can't really remember too much. 
Uh, so those are our playoff teams from the north. And I put Vancouver fifth, who have allowed 34 goals, which is a lot of goals. <laughs> and they played the most games in the show. So that's another reason why they have a lot of, go- lot of goals. But they've also, to their credit, though they have allowed a shit ton of goals, they have scored a ton of goals as well. 27, second most in the league right behind Montreal. Yeah, six points out of eight games is not, you know, the best. Elias Peterson's kind of, from what it sounds like, has struggled to get out the gate a little bit. He's their best player, one would argue. So once he gets going, I would fully expect the team to get going. So yeah, but I don't, I, I don't see them making the playoffs. But I think four, fifth, the top four teams in the division, I think, are set. I think the rest of the stuff will get found out. And then Winnipeg, I put them in sixth, as we talked about a little bit ago. Trading Patty Lina, they have eight points. On the season, plus five goal difference. That's good stuff right there. Pierre-Luc Dubois got traded for Colum- from Columbus to the Winnipeg Jets, but I still have them finishing seventh, and I don't... Do I need to say Ottawa's in last? Do I need to do a lot of analysis there? I don't really think so. Ottawa's sitting in last. And then in the Western Division, I have Colorado winning it. I know they have six points right now. They've lost three games in overtime... Or lost three games in regulation... Vegas has lost one game. They've won five, which is joint most in the show right now with Toronto. Ten points. Yeah, it's going to be hard. I put Vegas in second. I don't really think there's a lot. It was kind of a battle between those two teams for which one reigns supreme in the Western Division. I put Colorado because, spoiler alert, I think Nathan Nathan McKinnon will go away with the Hart Trophy this year, which is the MVP of the show. For those of you who don't know, so yeah, I went with them as we already talked about Gabriel Landeskog, youngest captain at one point in the show, but I do have them first. That might be from the start of the season now. Vegas obviously off to a very hot start, very hot tear right now, but I did go with Colorado number one and then Vegas second. And then third, I put the St. Louis Blues, who are currently in third. There's the second team. That I've gotten exactly right at this point. The Sabres were one of them. Oh, no. I guess Detroit, Buffalo, Ottawa, and now St. Louis. So, But Detroit and Ottawa, was that, that didn't really take a lot of brain power to figure that one out. Uh, the Blues are just a solid team. Yeah. Ryan O'Reilly, former Buffalo Sabres player, is now the captain of the St. Louis Blues. Alex, Alex Petrangelo going to the division rivals, I guess. Vegas Golden Knights, which is kind of weird to think about. But the Blues, yeah. They're still one of the better teams in the NHL. I have them third. I have a team finishing fourth that I think could pip them for that last spot, and that is the Minnesota Wild. I had them finishing fourth this season in the West. They currently sit second. They're three and one at on the road this year, which is one of the better road records in the NHL this year. Do I really, really need to talk about Kirill? Do I need to Kirill? I don't even know how to say his name yet. I have not watched a single Wild game this year, but this dude, my friend Noah, big Wild fan, has been talking about him for like the past two years, and he's finally here. Kirill Kabrizov is finally over here, and good lord, watching his highlights and some of the stuff he even tries, it looks like a young Patrick Kane, which pisses me off because he's getting all cocky with the puck, and it's so frustrating because the Wild aren't supposed to have players... Like that. 
Supposed to have a bunch of players, have a bunch of Miko Koivus out there. You're not supposed to have any skillful players. Good lord. But yes, I had them finishing fourth. Uh, they could easily jump up to third with how they've been playing to start the season. But that's no disrespect to the Blues, who are sitting one point right now at this point in the season behind the Minnesota Wild. Then fifth, I think this one will come back to bite me eventually. I have the Arizona Coyotes. They just got their GM suspended. Not very surprising. They're going to look into the Arizona Coyotes situation. If you want to look at it, go and look into that because it should be it should be an interesting read. I'll just tell you that. I have them fifth. And then the bottom three, I was more confident putting the bottom three where they are. And you could probably rotate them any way you want. But San Jose, Anaheim, and the LA Kings, six, seven, eight in that order, I was confident. And putting those teams at the bottom right now, all of them have six points on the season. Yeah, they're they're not. Last year they all sucked. They weren't very good teams. All of them finished last place, sixth, seventh, eighth. Uh, Ducks finished on sixty-seven with the Kings at sixty-four and San Jose with sixty-three. One of the bigger disappointments of last season was the San Jose Sharks and how bad they played. Good lord! So the fact that I haven't finished in sixth. It's a big mark for them, but that's just because the other two teams that they're competing with are also pretty bad. But in those three will finish bottom. I'm decently confident that maybe Arizona, with the struggles they're having in the front office right now, they could get distracted and start falling down the league standing as well. I'm confident with that bottom four. Arizona, San Jose, Ducks, uh, Anaheim, and the Kings. Any order. I think that will be the bottom five. I think the top four is locked, even though it's this early in the season where most teams have played six games. This, I think that division's the most, the one I think I'll get the most correct is the West Division. For the playoffs, so the top four teams make the playoffs. Bottom four don't. Uh, if you're in the Canadian Division, you only have seven teams. Bottom three won't make it. And they'll play each other in the division. And then once they're done, the reseeding will happen. And I think top seed, but it, it'll, it's weird. It's a different thing. So at the Central Division, obviously Tampa, Nashville, Dallas, and Her Carolina. I have Tampa beat Nashville, and then we have an NHL Stanley Cup rematch between the Stars and Lightning. Lightning win that. Then we have the Bruins beating the Rangers. And I do have the Flyers beating the Caps. I'm not confident in saying that, but I do think the Flyers will right the ship eventually, even though they've kind of started iffy. This season, I do think they'll write the ship, and I did put the Flyers as the champion of the Eastern Eastern Division. Then in the North, I have Toronto beating Calgary, Edmonton beating Montreal, and then Edmonton and Toronto meeting up with Toronto winning. The, the Edmonton, Toronto's got some MVP candidates as well. They may not have won it, but they got some MVP candidates on that team. I'm going to put Toronto through, and then in the West, Colorado beating Minnesota, Vegas beating St. Louis, and they have Colorado beating the Vegas Golden Knights, and then the semifinals, it's reseeded, so it goes off the best team, plays the worst team out of the top four, and then, you know how playoffs usually, one, one plays four, two plays three, you know how it works. So I have Colorado playing Philly, Colorado winning, Tampa playing Toronto with Tampa Bay winning, and then I have Tampa Bay taking home their second straight NHL Stanley Cup with Andre Vasilevsky winning the Smythe Trophy, which is the playoffs MVP, with how he's going to play against a lot of these very, very talented attackmen, or attackers, I should say attackmen just sounded weird. You're going to play a lot of good good attackers, especially in the latter stage, in the semifinals. You're going to play, as we talked about, Matthews, Marner, then you got uh, Nathan McKinnon. Got to stop all these guys. 
Vasilevsky takes home Consmite Trophy. I think Victor Hedman took it home last year. Not surprised. One of the top defenders in the league, which is why I have him winning the Norris Trophy this year. So, congratulations, Victor Hedman, on winning the Norris Trophy. We'll give that away. And while we're talking about the Lightning, tro Vizna, Viz Viz Vezna Trophy goes to Andre Vasilevsky. So, congratulations on that, Andre. Very good stuff there. What other trophies do we want to give out? The Hart Trophy, you already said it, but Nathan McKinnon from the Colorado Avalanche will take home that. Connor McDavid, I have him finishing second. Art Ross Trophy, I have Nathan McKinnon winning that with McDavid again finishing second. Rocket Richard Trophy, Austin Matthews for most goals in the show. Matthews winning it, and obviously Ovi's going to be up there as well, so I have him in second. Norris, I have John Carlson from the Caps finishing second in that, as we already said, Hedman wins it. Calder Trophy, Kirill Kaprizov, have him winning it for the Minnesota Vikings. From how much hype I got from Noah about this dude, I'm not really surprised how well he's been playing to start the year again. This was edited 12 days ago, so that, that was before the season started, if I remember correctly. This is all off Noah, pretty much. So if I get this right, this is all on Noah. And then uh, Alexis Lafiniere from the Rangers, coming in second. Uh, number one overall pick. Had to put him in there somewhere. Uh, Vasilevsky, best goal in the NHL. Carter Hart from the Flyers, finishing second in that. The Selkie Trophy, best defender in the center position. Uh, best attacker that plays defense. Patrice Bergeron, didn't even have a dude finishing second in that. I think it's Bergeron's trophy to lose every single year anyways. Jack Adams Award. For the best coach in the show, uh, Jared Bednar from the Avalanche winning it with Alain Vigneault from the Flyers winning it or coming in second in the President's Trophy for the most points in the regular season going to the Colorado Avalanche. So that's what I've got for you for the show preview. Uh, I think that went a little better than I was expecting, to be 100% honest with you. Thought that was going to go a little worse. But I think, I think that's all fair. So just a recap of the division rankings. Uh, in the Central Division goes Tampa Bay, Dallas, Carolina, Nashville, Columbus, Florida, Chicago, Detroit. For the Eastern Eastern Division, we have Boston, Philly, Washington, Rangers of Rangers of Penguins, fourth and fifth. Don't care. Flip them if you want. Islanders sixth, Sabres seventh, and then I'm not really confident in the Devils one, but whatever. I bought in on the Devils last year. I'm kind of hurt on the Devils. <laughs> they sucked last year, so I'm I'm still. Recovering. So just out of spite, I think I put them in last. North Division, to, uh, Toronto, Edmonton, Montreal, Calgary, then Vancouver, Winnipeg, and Ottawa. In the West, got Colorado, Vegas, St. Louis, Minnesota, Arizona, San Jose, Anaheim, LA Kings with the Lightning beating the Colorado Avalanche in the 2021 Stanley Cup Final. Congratulations, Tampa Bay. Blackhawks beat y'all in 2015. You returned the favor this year because they had to go there for the banner raising or whatever. Sucked. Watched the last game of that Stanley Cup at Hy-Vee. I was working. Then I saw, oh, man, what a what a series. What a series. But, man, Blackhawks time's over. It looks like Tampa Bay, they're good. They're very good. If you didn't know, Tampa Bay is uh, good at hockey. It's breaking news. Yeah. Pretty <laughs> Pretty simple. They're a very, very good team. Uh, Jack Eichel scores a goal for the Buffalo Sabres. Good job. And Dylan Strom just score for the Blackhawks? Yes, he did. Let's go. Love, love scoring goals against the National Predators. Goodness gracious. Oh, it's a power play goal. one nothing. Good job. Blackhawks power play, from what I can remember, I haven't looked up the stats or anything, but I think they were talking about this on Sunday, about how their power play's actually been 
one of the better in this, one of the better teams this season on the power play. It's one thing they've kind of improved, if I remember correctly. I could be very wrong on that. I didn't check it. I just heard them talk about it on the broadcast. But yeah, whew. That's what we got for you on that. So we talked about the Tampa Bay Lightning, had them winning the Stanley Cup. Are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going to win the Super Bowl? I haven't seen any lines yet for this game. Has there has there been any updated lines? I know it's three days after, or two days for me, after that playoff game between the Buccaneers beating the Packers and the Chiefs beating the Bill. We don't need to talk about that. But have there been, been any lines updated? I'm trying to load ESPN, but it's not... It's being an ass right now. This doesn't really help my situation. <laughs> I'm trying to look up stuff. But regardless, this is one of the best, one of the weirdest stats I've seen. So Tom Brady is, I think most of us, if you have a brain, I don't really think it's much of a debate. But Tom Brady's the GOAT. Tom Brady's destroyed my team thousands of times. What does he want? 30, again, we talked about this on Monday. 35-2, and 35-3 against Brady. Goodness gracious. I think it's two. I think it's two. Nick Foles has beaten Brady twice. The Bills have beaten Brady twice. That's how sad that is. But it's true. It is absolutely true. But that being said, you can hate a guy, but still have respect. I have all the respect in the world for Tom Brady. How he got to where he is now. What he's done in the NFL. Doing it with a new team. I Nothing but respect for Tom Brady. Even though he beat the shit out of my team every time he played him. Uh, Super Bowl appearances. Tom Brady... Has appeared in 18% of every Super Bowl in NFL history. And then Tom Brady has been in the Super Bowl 48% of the time in his career. Yeah. And I saw this stat. They were talking about this quite a bit on sports radio after, you know, Brady made the Super Bowl. Of, yeah, look at this. Steph Curry, career three-point percentage, 43%. Greatest three-point shooter of all time. Not really debate anymore. Tom Brady is more likely to go to a Super Bowl than Steph Curry is to make a three. That's ridiculous. He, this is his 10th Super Bowl. He's could win seven. He's 0-2, what, 0-2 against non-animal teams? He's, what, 6-1 against non-animal teams? So he lost to the Giants, Giants twice, Eagles once. No, he's lost one. Yeah, 6-1 against animal teams. 0-2 against non-animal teams. I did get that right. But 48% of the Super Bowls that Tom Brady has played in a season, he's been in. Minus the year he didn't start his first year. Minus the year he tore his ACL against the Kansas City Chiefs. This is a revenge game for Tom Brady. All the way back in 2008 when Tom Brady tore his ACL against the Chiefs. This is a revenge game for Brady. This is personal. Tom Brady versus the Chiefs. The team that tore his ACL. Ugh, hate that team. The year after... He just broke almost every single record passing, and Randy Moss broke every single record receiving. Oh, man. Yeah, Tom Brady's the GOAT. I don't really think that's a debate anymore. I, mean, I love Joe Montana. Joe Montana's firmly in second place for me. Like, if we're talking GOATs, I'm not, I wasn't planning on talking about this, but like for quarterbacks, because most of the time when you're talking about the best player on a team, usually you're talking about the quarterback. Now, there's certain situations where that's not the case. Like Deion Sanders on the Falcons. Deion Sanders was the best player on that team. Uh, LaDainian Tomlinson on the Chargers. Chargers GOAT. He's was better than every quarterback that played for the Chargers. Breeze, Rivers. It's not, you're usually talking about quarterbacks. Usually. So let's go through my top. Off the top of my head, Tom Brady won. Joe Montana two. 
Three, Peyton Manning. Four, this is where it gets a little iffy for me. Because there's so many good quarterbacks you could talk about. Like Elway could be up there, Marino, though he didn't win one. What he did in transforming the NFL into what it is now, that's a very big part legacy thing. Uh, who else could be mentioned up there? For Goach, Breeze will get talked about. I don't think Rodgers I don't know. Rodgers losing four NFC Championship games. And I was waiting for the Rodgers has no help brigade to come out and defend him. Even though his defense got three interceptions, they scored seven points off turnovers. I was kind of waiting for that. Thankfully, I didn't really see that. Because usually it goes, oh, Rodgers' defense didn't help him out. Rodgers' defense got three interceptions against Tom Brady. And he didn't take advantage of it. I know everybody's talking about the the missed the field goal attempt with two minutes left down by eight. But Rodgers could have ran that in easily. And they scored seven points off the three turnovers that the Packers defense forced. So, Rodgers defense brigade. Where is your GOAT now? One Super Bowl, four NFC championship losses. First one at home. Defense gives up, gets three picks. I know Kevin King sucked ass in the game, but... Like, giving up a touchdown with eight seconds left. Right? It, the half was almost over. That one second left. And Ad, what was it? Not Adam Humphreys. Another white receiver. What, I can't remember this one's name, but... Adam Humphreys used to play for the Tampa Buccaneers, if I remember correctly. But this was... I don't know if he'll get mentioned up there. I don't know what the Packers do to quarterbacks. They have, so they've had two legendary quarterbacks the last 30 years in Favre and Rodgers. And it's crazy to think it's been 30 years, but Favre, I think, first started playing for the Packers in 94. Or he was drafted in 94. 95? So 25 years? 26 years? Good Lord. And they've got two Super Bowls out of it? Good Lord. Like, you can talk about which following was better, Favre, Rodgers, or Montana DeYoung. I mean, Super Bowls, it's Montana DeYoung. It's pretty simple. You look at the number of Super Bowls each of those quarterbacks won. It's, yeah. It's done on that debate, but... I don't think Rodgers will be mentioned up there. Steve Young, he he's not really going to get mentioned up there, but he's he'll get talked about in like a top 25 quarterback of all time. Same thing with Jim Kelly, but I think the top three is locked. And then I'd probably, if we're going talent, then Elway and Favre and uh, Rodgers are going to be up there as well. But I'd probably go Marino for just because of what he did to transform the NFL into the passing league that we know it now. Because they weren't passing like the Dolphins were Back in the 80s and early 90s. that Or even just the 90s. Because he'd retired in what? 99? 98? Getting bashed by the Jacksonville Jaguars by 50 points? I would throw him five, 4. Probably Elway 5. No, we'll throw Elway 4 and then Marino 5. We'll flip one of those two around. But I think that's pretty much... I think top 3 is locked for me. The rest of them you can kind of rotate in and out. I don't really... I think Breeze will get mentioned up there for the yards he put up, how many 5,000-yard seasons he's had throughout his career. People call him a stat patter, whatever. I hate that. I love Drew Breeze, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, one of the more underappreciated quarterbacks of all time. I think when it's all said and done, Patty Mahomes will be up there as well for what he's going to do with the Kansas City Chiefs. There are two Super Bowls in four years of him with the franchise, three as a starter. Pretty impressive stuff right there. Some could argue it should have been three Super Bowls. And I love this, the Packers fans complaining about the refs coming after <laughs> the Packers. I, I love all the NFC North fans, outside Packers fans, that are like, oh, wow, I'm so sorry, Green Bay. <laughs> did, 
you guys didn't get a penalty to go your way? Oh, man, that's really bad. Packers get benefited more than penalties than most teams in the NFL. About 99% of the teams in the NFL, Packers get most of the calls. And it just didn't happen to go your way one time, so now we're going to say, oh, the refs were against us. The first time in the past 20 years the refs have been against the Green Bay Packers. Good Lord. One of my friends, Glenn, big Bears fan, he posted a pretty funny tweet about that. Like, oh, no, Packers got screwed out of a call. Would you want to be technical? It was defensive holding. I don't know. If I, I couldn't hear the TV, so I don't know if they called pass interference or holding or whatever, but it was holding. You pull in a shirt, regardless if it's an undershirt or not, you're going to get called for holding. The flop was pretty funny. Um, Johnson from Minnesota, rookie from Minnesota. Pretty funny. Uh, 8 out of 10 effort on the, the dive. And my dad and I were laughing about that. I did a little dolphin dive afterwards. Like, just a little hand motion. Oh, dive, dive, dive. And the fact that it was super late would probably make team people pissed off. But I have no sympathy for Packers fans in the missed call. I don't care. First off, it wasn't a missed call. The fact that it was late, yeah, sure, I'll go with that. And the fact that it wasn't really called like that throughout the game, sure. But you didn't. You had your chance to win. Seven points off turnovers, which you had three turnovers. A field goal under with two minutes. Down by eight. Rodgers not running it in, because he could have easily done that. Like, there's a lot of things that we could complain about, but in real reality, you all probably should have won that regularly anyways. If Kevin King was benched, Jair Alexander still gets two picks. Packers don't score one touchdown off turnovers. Rodgers runs it in, then you win the game. But I don't know, I, the thinking of, let's kick a field goal, like, the logical things like, oh, we'll break down a lead but that's for normal circumstances not when you're playing Tom freaking Brady it doesn't work like that I've watched Tom Brady for the last 20 years twice a year and at least twice a year and you don't give him a chance to ice the game you don't give him a chance to come back on you and you don't give him a chance to ice the game because it will happen he will either a ice it or b Take the lead and win. Because that's what he's done his entire freaking career. We can even go back to Michigan. He still did that. Maybe we'll talk about how he wasn't good at Michigan. He was a very good quarterback at Michigan. He just looked like he just wa- wandered in on the comedy. Look, you know those videos of people like walking into strongest men competition, like the bodybuilding competitions, and they just look like a pasty white dude that just chugged six beers before going in there? That's what Tom Brady looked like at the Combine. He ran a 5-2-4-40 or something like that. One of the slowest times ever for a quarterback. I hate that they that matters for combines because Brady put up good numbers at Michigan and won an Orange Bowl against Alabama and came back time and time again. Like, the stuff he's doing in the NFL is stuff he did in college. The fact that he went in the sixth round is ridiculous, especially when you look at the quarterbacks that went before him. Like, Spurgeon Wynn completed 46% of his passes coming out of some no-name NAI school in Texas, or D2, D3 school, I don't even know. Giovanni Carmazzi from Hofstra. Chris Redman. Chad Pennington, sure, he had a really good career at uh, Marshall. Had a good career in the NFL, minus the injuries. Mark Bolger had a decent career the early parts of his career when he went to the Rams. So he, got, he didn't get drafted by the Rams. Who did he get drafted by? The Saints. I think Mark Bolger got drafted by the Saints. I can't. I'm not 100 percent sure in that. But the fact Brady went sixth round, that's just a miss by the entire NFL. It's not really anything Brady did. It's more of a we didn't watch him in college, I guess, or ignored the stuff because his completion percentage is better than most of the quarterbacks. He had more yards, 
more wins, more impressive wins to say the least, especially the Spurgeon win. But that's why the Browns drafted Spurgeon win. It's like any team would pass on a guy with a 46% completion percentage with more interceptions than touchdowns. Most people won't even sign him after the draft. But the Browns are that special team that would sign, would not only sign him, draft him. That's good stuff right there. That's why the Cleveland Browns were as good as they were in the early 2000s. Came back with no semblance of a plan. <laughs> but for the Super Bowl, finally loaded. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs are three-point favorites in this game. Not in, not terribly surprised. Uh, hopefully for the Buccaneers' sake, Antoine Winfield Jr. is back and available. He was out for the Green Bay Packers game. That was a big loss for them. Vitavea coming back was a very big gain for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I'm assuming Antonio Brown will be back as well. So you're getting some key players back at the right time. Vitavea came back last week. Hopefully Antoine Winfield and A.B. will be back. You're, the pieces are coming in right around, right at a good time. But the Chiefs just played their best game the entire season. We went over that on Monday. They played their best game of the season against the Bills on Sunday. That was their best game they played all year. On Not a shadow of a doubt. The best game they played the entire season. Defensively, offensively, best game they played. And it I don't get why it had to happen that in that game, but it could have happened against the freaking why didn't you do that against the Falcons? You scored 17 points against the Atlanta Falcons. Why couldn't you do that then? You had to throw up 38 and your defense had to be lights out. And Chris Jones should have been ejected early. Punched John Feliciano in the head. But that's something else. Doesn't matter. They lost by 14 points. <laughs> they got absolutely stomped in the game. I'm not trying to make any excuses for the Bills because they got beat bad. But I'm expecting they'll be back next year. We talked about that on Monday. They have a lot of needs. For a 13-3 team, they have a lot of room to improve, which is a good thing for the Bills. The Chiefs are going to have an eight, their $18 million, almost $19 million, above the cap. So... That's how the Bills can catch up with the Chiefs because it's always, what are they going to do to catch up the Chiefs? Chiefs are going to be in a lot of debt, especially with the cap lowering because of COVID. It'll be big for a lot of NFL teams, not just the Bills, but for a lot of NFL teams. Teams that were competing last year, like the Colts, Dolphins, uh, what other teams, the Browns, the Ravens, a lot of these teams. With the Chiefs being 14-2, this will help a lot of teams. So, and this is like, People were talking. I saw this on Twitter. LeBron versus Michael Jordan, Brady versus Mahomes. Crazy. So you see a passing of the torch here. And I want to put this in because I think this would be interesting. And I want to say this now. So when it happens, if it happens, if the Buccaneers win, I could totally see Brady going. I'm done. I could totally see him doing that. I don't think he will, but I'm not going to be surprised if he does something weird like that. Throw a final wrench in the hat and go like, whoa, nobody was expecting that. Brady just had a really good year with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on a new team, led him to the Super Bowl his first year as the quarterback. And he's retired. That'd be really crazy if he did that. I'm not saying he's going to, but I would not be shocked if he did just because of the the theatrics of it. I mean, you know Tom Brady's one for the theatrics. So... I don't know. That'd be really crazy if that happened. I'd, the NFL would blow up if that happened. Tom Brady just retires after winning a Super Bowl. Seventh Super Bowl, done. Went seven for ten in Super Bowl. He won 70% of the Super Bowls he was in. Record that will not be touched. I don't think anybody will win seven Super Bowls. Mahomes might come close. I mean, again, if they win, that means he's won two Super Bowls in four years. Three years as a starter. So, 
Tom Brady and the Patriots won four, uh, three Super Bowls in the span of four years. So the Chiefs could do that same thing. Easily could do that same thing. Or was it f- five years or something? I don't know. So they beat the Rams, Eagles, Panthers. I think that yeah, four years. Three out of five years. Three out of four years. I don't know. Whatever. Forget about it. And then lost to the Giants, obviously, when they had the perfect season. Crazy we haven't seen a perfect season since. And we actually talked about how the Steelers could have a perfect season. <laughs> Imagine if that actually happened. Good Lord, the Steelers suck. <laughs> oh, man. Did I spit into the mic? I think I did. But whatever. We got one more thing to talk about, and then we'll end the show because we got a paper coming out tomorrow. I want to talk about that a little bit in case you didn't read it, but you're listening to the show right now. Uh, yes. So we talked about the pre the NHL preview. That took a lot longer than I was expecting. So we've got a bunch of quarterbacks that could be traded. This paper goes through every quarterback that I think could possibly trade, like big-name quarterbacks. I'm not going to go through, like, I don't know. What are some quarterbacks that could be traded that no one really cares? Like Gardner Minshew getting traded. I don't really care. If he's, is he a free agent? I don't really know. C.J. Beathard getting traded. I love C.J., but I don't think a lot of people would care if C.J. Beathard getting traded. And I don't know if there's a lot of suitors out there trying to trade for C.J. So this is all a bunch of starters in the league right now, bigger names. Deshaun Watson. And we're going to – this is – the paper is going through all the quarterbacks that could get traded and then teams they could get traded to and then the team I think they will get traded to. So Deshaun Watson, uh, the final two teams apparently are the Jets and Dolphins, two teams he wants to trade for. I think it'd make a lot more sense to go to Miami than Jet New York, but I think Deshaun will go to the Jets. He likes Robert Sala. They got a good young offensive coordinator, Mike LaFleur. Could be a really nice piece. One of the good up-and-coming young offensive coordinators. Brother of Matt LaFleur, the Green Bay Packers, has gone, what, 26-6 and as a head coach of the NFL. Very impressive. And has coached under Shanahan and Atlanta. And then now, and then San Francisco and now New York. This is his first year as an offensive coordinator. as the pass game coordinator over in San Fran. Uh, they got Joe Douglas there. They got a lot of pieces there. A lot of opt- people could come back. They got cap space. So, like, you're worried about draft picks. They could sign people in free agency. They're going to need to get a wide receiver regardless, whether that is in the form of Godwin or Galladay or Allen Robinson. They're going to have to go draft one or sign one. And I'd recommend they go and sign one. And then you can get another position in the draft, depending on how many picks you trade to Houston. And then it all depends on whether Houston values Sam Darnold or not. If they do, then trade Sam to Houston. That's a simple trade. You give up, what, the Jets probably give up two first-round draft picks, a couple later draft picks, and Sam, because Sam's draft value is still pretty high because he was a third overall pick, and he's still got some potential in there. We, we assume he does. If not, you'll probably send three, maybe four first-round draft picks for Deshaun Watson. But the Texans have no leverage in this situation so that kind of hurts Houston but who cares about what Houston is feeling and there this is kind of something that I was talking about with my dad so Jack Easterby one of the higher guys in the Houston Texan organization make a lot of decisions for the Texans was a former chaplain for the New England Patriots if I remember if I read this stuff correctly they went into a situation where they were praying to God to try and solve their organizational problems or something my dad and I were talking about this. This might be breaking news to some people, but I think to most people, you understand this. But there's some people that still like this. <clears throat> God does not care about football, okay? 
there, you know how many people have prayed towards, like, it's not Bruce Almighty, where he just put on the yes thing, and then responds to everybody with yes, so they all get their things, like, the Sabres win the Stanley Cup, everybody gets their thing, taller people, whatever. God don't care about football. God don't care about American politics either. So it's like, these things that we pray, we're praying for are not gonna come true. Football, especially one organization, that's not going to solve any problems here. My dad, he talked about, we were talking about this today, about how he went to church for, like, Sundays, wore a tie, everything, got all dressed up, went to go watch the game, and nothing happened. Because they don't, they don't care about football. Which, you can't make organizational decisions off that. Which is why the Texans have been in such a mess in hiring Bill O'Brien and then hiring him as the GM because they thought that was somehow a good idea. He's a barely competent head coach. What made you think he could be a semi-competent GM? That's stupid. Those dumb decisions that get you in the situation you are now with no draft picks till the third round and then pissing off your fran- another franchise player. You got two pissed off right now. J.J. Watts, another one. But yeah, uh, Deshaun to the Jets. I would go to the Dolphins if I was him, but hey, it's not my decision. They got a good coach that he likes and Robert Sala, got a young offensive coordinator. Yeah. Jets make sense because they got a lot they got more pieces than anybody to get to Sean. Dolphins are up there as well. Two first each of them have two first round draft picks and a lot of cap space. So both of those places made sense. I would go to Miami. Either way, I think Deshaun's coming to the AFC East, which sucks for Bills fans. Uh Matthew Stafford's the next one. Obviously getting traded from Detroit. And I also put chances of staying. I put Deshaun's chance of staying in Houston at 10%. Uh, Matthew Stafford, zero, because they mutually agreed to get traded. And I think he'll go to the Colts. I was teeter-tottering between the Niners and the Colts because I think scheme-wise and fit-wise, he fits with San Fran very well. Fits more Kyle Shanahan's system than Jimmy Garoppolo does. And then more of that gunslinger mentality that worked very well down in Atlanta with Matt Ryan. I think that the Colts are in a win-now mode. And from what it sounds like, they want to get a veteran quarterback in there instead of going after one in the draft. And Matthew Stafford, Frank Reich wanted to keep Philip Rivers. Matthew Stafford is in that similar mold to Philip Rivers, to where he's a veteran guy, gunslinger, tough as hell, leader. That's what Matthew Stafford, they're like two of the same quarterback. I think that would work out very well. If you're in win now mode, we'll talk about another quarterback I think could get traded to Indianapolis. That would also make sense. I also think Matthew Stafford could go to Washington because the GM in Washington was the same GM that drafted Matthew Stafford in Detroit. So I think that's a very likely place for him to go as well. But if you're talking about off the line is better in Indy. Weapons, better in Indy in the backfield and tight end, wide receivers, whatever, in Indy. They got Terry McLaurin, who's probably the better out of those people. But if you're talking about units as a whole, Indy's is better. Indy's got an actual running game. Washington does not. They have three or four very talented running backs in Indy, with Jonathan Taylor being the main guy, Marlon Mack. Will, will he be back? I don't know. He tore his Achilles this year. Naheem Hines is there. They got another one, but I can't really remember his name. Anthony Costanzo retired, but they can solve the offensive line issue in the left tackle spot. Defense, one of the better defense in the league with DeForest Buckner and Darius Leonard being there. Uh, The Colts, I think if they want to win now, Matthew Stafford makes the most sense. The next one, we put Sam Darnold. There's a lot of teams Sam Darnold could get linked to. I think it's best for the Jets and Darnold to part ways for the betterment of each person, the team and the player. They need to separate I put Sam in Washington, and if Alex Smith retires, 
There's a few free agent options, like Ryan Fitzpatrick could be available to help mentor Sam Darnold. But if Alex Smith doesn't retire, then you've got the perfect bridge quarterback, I guess, the learning ways for Sam. they got a young offensive coordinator in the, there as well. Let me try and find his name because I'm... I'm blanking. I wrote the I wrote the thing. Scott Turner, one of the younger offensive coordinators in the league, which a lot of pe- a lot of teams starting to do that. Young offensive coordinators, young offensive minded guys, working with Sam would be very beneficial for him. But here's the thing: if Stafford goes to either Washington or San Francisco, Sam Darnold makes a lot of sense to go to Indy because Frank Reich, when Sam Darnold was getting drafted, compared Sam Darnold to that of Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz had his best career year with Frank Reich as the OC. The problem is, and I think Sam Darnold in Indy would make a ton of sense. ton of sense. Best old line Sam had ever had. Weapons galore. Running game, which is something he never had in New York. That would make sense. But the Colts winning now is the important thing. You finish 11-5, we hope and think there is potential still inside Sam Darnold. We don't know. We know what Matthew Stafford is. We hope Sam Darnold can become this. So if you're in the win-now mode... You go after Sam Darn or uh, Matthew Stafford. If you're not in hope that Sam Darn, because there's a chance Sam Darn doesn't work out, so that's where you get stuck in a situation where, wow, we should have probably traded for an established quarterback. You got the second most cap space available for next season. Matthew Stafford's going to be expensive, but you can afford it, and he's the veteran guy, which will help you guys in the later stages. When he's had a top 10 defense, he went 11 and 5. He's had 1,000 yard rusher in his entire career. It was Reggie freaking Bush, one that was a 1,000 yard rusher. He had Jonathan Taylor, one of the best O lines of the NFL, the best guard in the NFL, and Quentin Nelson. If I'm the Colts, I'm going after Stafford. But if he's gone, Sam Darnold makes a lot of sense because of the Wentz comparisons and the fact that Frank Reich is a very good quarterback mentor, obviously playing the position quarterback whisper he's worked with a lot of very good quarterbacks throughout his career playing and coaching so if you want to do that look towards the future get Sam if you want to win now which I think is what they want to do you get Stafford so I'm saying Sam Darnold goes to Washington mobile quarterback can fit in with that division with Dak Wentz Daniel Jones very mobile guys Sam would be that as well you have Terry McLaurin there you have cap space so you can get a guy like Allen Robinson Kenny Galladay Chris Godwin uh, Hunter Henry will be available. You have Logan Thomas. There's some good off to linemen in there as well that will be available. You can try and re-sign Brandon Scherf, all-pro guard. Want to get? I would recommend you get him back. Defense is obviously amazing. The D-line is amazing. So get that offense sorted out, and I think with that young offensive coordinator, Ron Rivera, there, you can help. You have a culture already established there, so you don't need to try and do crazy things. You can have Alex Smith there help ease Sam Darnold into starting. So I'm going to Washington. Tua, I just have him staying in Miami. Uh, if the Jets don't, if the Texans don't trade for Deshaun, or if the Dolphins don't trade for Deshaun, Tua stays in Miami. I don't even know where other places Tua could go. I haven't heard anybody else linked with him. The links with Houston are just because of the Sean Watson trade. So that's my only reasoning there. Uh, Tua is a good quarterback. But it's just kind of funny how our opinions change on somebody when they're suddenly linked with somebody else, like Rosen with the Cardinals. Like we, Once they're linked with Kyler Murray, it's like, oh, maybe Rosen's not that good. We like Kyler Murray more. The same thing. Deshaun Watson, top five quarterback. Ooh, two is not that good. He had a good year. 11 touchdowns, 1,800 yards, completely about 65% of his passes. Did throw five picks, but three of them were against the Bills, 
So if he doesn't throw those three picks, 11 touchdowns, two interceptions, it's a pretty decent outcome. He doesn't do anything that will wow you. He's He's very accurate. He's decently mobile. Not very big. Doesn't have the strongest arm. But I think once they get him, I'm assuming they're going to draft Devontae Smith. Get that chemistry back. Devontae Smith had, before this year, his best season was last year with Tua throwing the ball with two other first-round wide receivers there, and Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs, and still led the team in receiving. The biggest touchdown of Tua's career and Smith's career was against Georgia. That was one of the biggest plays in college football playoff history, and that was Tua to Devontae. So I think you want that chemistry, get him back, and then I think you'll start seeing the best of Tua. Get him a running game, and then you'll start getting the best. I still think the quote was stupid that he said, that I thought this would be harder, and then it got harder. I think since the organization is a fan of Tua, they'll keep him. If the organization shared the opinion of the coaching staff, then we'd start having a little bit of an issue here. But the fact that Chris Greer keeps backing him makes me think that Tua will ultimately stay in Miami. Jimmy G, Adam Stanton, San Fran, though he's hurt a lot, and yes, Matthew Stafford and Deshaun Watson are better than Jimmy G, and you look at the winning that he does, the records of him in there versus him not being in there, the 49ers are 22-8 and with him as the starter. They are 7-27 and without him and in there. He's hurt a lot. That's not really something I, you can critique him on it, and the best ability is availability, but it's not really something he can control, being hurt. And when he's in there, they win games. They know what they've got. They're winning with him. They've been to a Super Bowl. I know he's limited, but he wins you games. He's done that the entire time in San Francisco. It's why he got a, the biggest contract in NFL history at the time, which was crazy because he only played eight games. Or five games. He started five games, played eight in them. Like, he is a good quarterback. I don't. The hatred for Jimmy G is kind of overblown at times, but I think he stays in San Fran because they know what they've got. They're winning with him. If he's healthy, they're winning. That's the main thing there, why they'll keep him. Carson Wentz stays in Philly. Uh, Nick Sirianni is Frank Reich's offensive coordinator. Worked with him in Los Angeles with the Chargers and in San Diego, and then in Indy. This is a why they hired him instead of someone more established, one of the more quote-unquote sexy names like Eric Bieniemy or Brian Dable is because Nick Sirianni is the closest thing they could get to Frank Reich, who with Frank Reich, Carson Wentz had his best year. He almost won the MVP. If he didn't get hurt, he would have won the MVP. So that's what their thinking was here. So Carson Wentz will stay. Carson Wentz will be the starter. And their hope is Sirianni can get the best out of Carson Wentz that Frank Reich did before. That's the hope here in Philadelphia, which is why I'm not too surprised why they got Nick Sirianni as opposed to a enemy or Brian Dable, who I th- I I heard I saw this on Instagram from uh, Pardon My Take. It, I think it's a kind of a situation. It could be a situation where like a Josh McDaniel situation, where they're wanting to take over for the team they're currently the OC of. Josh McDaniels with the Patriots and Airbnb enemy with the Chiefs. They're waiting for Belichick and Reed to retire, possibly. I'm not saying that's the thing. And I kind of thought about that before, but I saw it on Instagram, so I thought I'd talk about it again because it is something to think about with these head coaches searches. But I'm not surprised with Sirianni. People want to make a big deal about it. Their logic is we want to get the best out of Wentz. We're not, we've invested a lot of money in him. The best season he had was with Frank Reich. 
Frank Reich's offensive coordinator is looking to be a head coach. Let's get the closest thing we can to Frank Reich, and that is Nick Sirianni. So that's what their thinking was there. Matt Ryan, I think he stays in Atlanta. Got a big contract, new head coach. I think you'll want to keep Matt Ryan there. I think they should do the same thing the Panthers did last year and draft all defensive players because their defense sucks. Their offense is good. They are Ryan, Ridley, uh, Julio Jones. Like They got really good pieces on offense. They need to somehow fix that god-awful defense, and then they could actually maybe be competitive. You know, you finish 4-12 and with that offense. That's ridiculous. It's very stupid. Uh, I don't. I think the only team Matt Ryan could get will he'll get talked about a lot with San Fran, but I think it's the same thing. He's older, a lot of money. You're gonna have to trade for him. So what do you give up for a what a 34, 35 year old quarterback? That's the issue we got going on here with Matt Ryan. I think the Bears could be linked with him. The Patriots will be linked with all of these guys for some reason. But the 49ers are the logical one because the Kyle Shanahan connection. But I have him going back to Atlanta. Then Rodgers, he'll stay in Green Bay. The whole situation with Jordan Love is stupid. Their whole plan was to draft Jordan Love. I remember hearing this post-draft. We talked about this during the draft. Or after the after the draft. After like around late April, early May. That their plan was to do the Mahomes-Alex Smith thing. Of sit in for one year, play him the next year. But the problem is, Rodgers won the freaking MVP. And Love didn't dress one time to my knowledge. One time. He didn't dress once. He might have, but to my knowledge, he didn't. And the thing is with the Smith-Mahomes thing, Smith never sniffed an MVP, let alone won one. Rodgers is going to win the MVP this year. What do you do with that? Do you trade Jordan Love away? You trade it up to get this guy. And from what it sounds like, he's not really that good. If he's not even dressing and beating up Tim Boyle, an undrafted dude from Eastern Kentucky, I've got questions about this whole situation. We talked about this a few months ago when they started comparing the 4 draft to this draft. Like, uh, Eli Phillip and Big Ben is Joe Burrow, Tua, and Herbert. So that means, by default, Love is J.P. Lossman. And if everything is going the way it is right now, Love very well may be J.P. Lossman. I didn't think the Packers were going to draft him anyway. I had him going to the Saints. I thought that made way more sense, going down to New Orleans. But this whole thing is not working out with Jordan Love. Rodgers is going to be back. So I don't know what your plan is with Jordan Love. You're going to send him again. The fact that you traded up for him is the thing that weirds me out the most. Because you can do the Rodgers thing sitting behind Favre. They didn't trade up for for Rodgers. They sat there and let him fall to him. They traded up to get Jordan Love. So that's the situation they're in now. And I understand Rodgers' frustrations, but he'll be back in Green Bay. So with everything that I just said, here's the full NFL list of starting quarterbacks. So Baltimore... Lamar, Joe Burrow, and Cincy, Baker in Cleveland, and then Ben Roethlisberger still in Pittsburgh with Dwayne Haskins backing him up. Hopefully for Dwayne Haskins' sake, he can write his career in Pittsburgh and learn from Ben Roethlisberger. Houston, after trading with the Jets, will give him Zach Wilson. He seems like the kind of guy, I think the Jets or the, the Jets would take Justin Fields. I think he fits what they want to do more than in Houston. I think Zach Wilson... Seems like that kind of Houston quarterback. Uh, he's got a very live arm. He's very mobile. Him and Fields are very similar in what they could do. Fields is slightly bigger. I would take Fields. Fields, I think, is tougher. And uh, people are talking about uh, Justin Fields had bad games this year against Indiana and Northwestern. Zach Wilson didn't have a bad game. If Zach Wilson had a bad game this year, then 
he shouldn't be drafted. <laughs> he played North Alabama. He played, Co I mean, Coast Carolina's good. He had a decent game against them. He had a really good game against UCF. They weren't playing world beaters. They weren't playing against Clemson. Northwestern had a top 25 defense easily. I don't know if actually right, but from what it looked like, they had a good defense. Played with an injured thumb on his throwing hand against Northwestern. Indiana was a top 15 most of the, top 15 team most of the season. And he still put up really good numbers. He had a near-perfect last-year fields. And I saw this on Twitter, and it's really interesting. This is the same thing that was like Watson or Watson behind uh, Trubisky. Wilson's had one good year. That's the part that scares me a little bit, too. Fields is also a little bigger than Fields, or than Wilson. But I think in Houston, Zach Wilson could be the pick here. Because they like his arm, from what it sounds like. And the mobility factor is a big thing, too. But I know he's got the no talent. Like, he's got, he had to work harder because he had no talent around him. But he played against, I don't know. I'm not going to go too in-depth about that. I would take Fields, but that's, if people want to go over the, the arm strength that Wilson has and his mobility, then I'm not saying anything bad about Wilson. I am ranked third, but I'd take Fields above him. Indy, Stafford, Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence, Tennessee, Ryan Tannehill. AFC East, Josh, Buff Allen, J Buff Allen, Josh Allen in Buffalo, Tua in Miami, Mac Jones in New England with Ryan Fitzpatrick. We talked about that one in the past, I believe. Uh, Fitzpatrick's played for every AFC's team except one, I think, just to be funny. He seems like the kind of guy that he's like, oh, man, I played for every AFC's team. So he'd be a really good mentor for Mac Jones in New England. Very similar style to Tom Brady coming out of college. And then the Jets with Deshaun Watson. Denver, Drew, Drew Locke, and Andy Dalton. Instead of completely replacing Drew Locke, they get a veteran in there to help push him. And if not, if he doesn't do good, Andy Dalton's a very capable backup to starter. I think it'd work out very well for the Denver Broncos. Padramones Chiefs, Derek Carr, Vegas, Justin Herbert, Chargers. The Bears, Nick Foles, and Kyle Trask. Uh, Kyle Trask is one of the people that opted out of the Senior Bowl. Mac Jones, the only one that is taking place in the Senior Bowl this year, which is kind of interesting out of the six quarterbacks that could get taken in the first round this year. He's the only one take doing that. And uh, Trask, missing the Senior Bowl. I think he's through injury. And then the way he kind of, I don't know, had an off last few games for Florida, especially against Oklahoma, throwing three interceptions in the first half. I could see him fall to the second round. So the Bears pick 20th, 21st, I think, somewhere around there. If they don't pick him there, they might be able to take him in the second round, which would be a very great steal. His uh, very good steal. His arm strength is very good. He probably has the strongest arm in this draft. Him and Lawrence, probably similar in arm strength. Go watch the Arkansas game for Florida this year and the Ole Miss games to see his arm strength. He's not extremely mobile, but arm strength could cut through the wind in Chicago, and I think that would be a very good pickup for them. And they'd have the biggest quarterbacks in the league in Foles and Kyle Trask. Uh, Detroit put Justin Fields there, and Tyrod Taylor as well. Uh, Dan Quinn, or Dan Quinn, uh, Dan Campbell's the head coach there, talking about biting off kneecaps and getting punched down and get up. Justin Fields seems like that kind of dude that they would look for in regards to getting beat up and then keep standing up and keep fighting. That's what Justin Fields did against Clemson. They won. Keep fighting is what eventually what Justin Fields was doing for Ohio State. And I think that fit in with what Detroit wants to do. And then Anthony Lynn is the offensive coordinator there. Either is or going to be. Tyra Taylor will follow him. Tyra Taylor has followed him twice 
or not followed him, but he was played for him in Buffalo, followed him to the Los Angeles Chargers, and then now he's in Detroit. And Matthew Stafford's getting traded. That's what the situation is. Tyrod Taylor is going to be in Detroit this year. And then Rodgers, Green Bay, Kirk Cousins, Minnesota. NFC South, Atlanta, Matt Ryan, Carolina, Teddy Bridgewater, and Trey Lance. Uh, Lance with Kirsten McCaffrey in the backfield with DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson would be fun to watch. With Joe Brady as the OC, oh, that's going to be fun to watch at Carolina if they do end up taking Trey Lance, which I think they will. Uh, New Orleans, Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill. I think Jason, 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 Jameis Winston comes back in free agency, and they do a little two-quarterback situation there in New Orleans. I think Sean Payton really would like to keep Jameis Winston. Drew Brees was talking to Jameis about this is his team now. So I think the smart thing for him is just to come back to New Orleans. Tampa, Tom Brady. Dallas, I put Dak back. He's probably going to get franchise tagged. Uh, New York Giants, Daniel Jones. Philly, Carson Wentz slash Jalen Hurts. Washington, Sam Darnold and Alex Smith if he doesn't retire. Uh, then the NFC West, Arizona, Kyler Murray. Jared Goff, LA Rams. Jimmy G, San Fran, and Russell Wilson in Seattle. So, yep, that is what I've got for you today on this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. This went a little long. I don't know what time we're at right now. I feel like we've been over an hour. I think I looked at the clock at 7.40 or at 6.40, and then now it's 8 o'clock. So I don't know how long ago long the show is. I need to set up where I can actually see the time on this thing. But you know what? I think today went very, very well. Went over the playoff predictions for the NHL predictions, talked about Super Bowl a little bit with Tom Brady and the trade factor thing. And yeah, that's all I've got for you today on this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. If you haven't and you got this far in the show, make sure to go read the article that I posted to go more in-depth than what I did here. So I would very greatly appreciate that. And with that being said, I will see you all on Friday. Hopefully, hopefully Friday. Peace.